Hey there, EM Over Easy listeners. Drew here. I got a number for you. Six. That's right. This episode marks six years of EM Over Easy. Personally, can't believe it. I mean, this was the brainchild of Andy, and initially it was just our families, our parents, listening to us on repeat to make us feel like we actually had people listening. And now we legitimately have people listening. We wanted to say thank you. Thank you for coming on this More Than Medicine journey with us, and we are so excited for the years to come. So here's to six, well, five great years of EM Over Easy, and the first year was, well, just give us a pass on that one. And here's to six and many, many more years after that. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Emo over Easy listeners. We come up here joined by all four of us now. We got Tanner, Andy, and John. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning. morning. Hey. And hey, we all are in person at ACOAP's Spring Seminar 2022. I cannot believe it's 2022 at this point. That seems absolutely crazy to me. In case anyone didn't know and has never listened to our podcast before, we are the official podcast of the ACOAP. I'm pretty excited to all be at this conference, getting a chance to record some awesome EM over easy content. So be sure to check out their other offerings at ACOAP.org. But let's get on to the main show. We're going to talk about egos. And man, I know I got a pretty big one. I have to walk in through the ambulance bay just to get my head to fit in uh, when I come to work. But by the time I leave, I'm usually okay going out the regular door because it's been shrunk down to uh, something much smaller after I've gotten beat up a bunch on shift. But man, egos are a really important part of medicine. We, we all have one, right? There's no doubt about that. I don't think anyone listening to this or um, certainly on this podcast would say that they don't have an ego. But the question really gets into what is our ego and how do we functionally utilize our ego so that we can be performers without being detractors, right? And that's the trick of an ego. You got to have it, but if it gets too big and it gets out of shape and it gets misformed, then it starts to become problems. So I'm just going to drop that out there for us to ponder over a little bit and start pontificating on. I didn't realize that legitimate head size correlated exactly to ego size. Well, if that was the case, actually, Andy would have the biggest ego, but I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. that that is, in fact, the case. I think we're going to have to do a randomized control trial to make sure that that actually is an association and not just a correlation. I mean, there's a reason why I always, at doctors, had to go through the ambulance bay, because it's the only place my head would physically get but that through. But that was a physical thing, not an ego thing. Uh, yeah, you know. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess um, when you look at ego from that perspective, uh, I guess the first question is, uh, when I was thinking about this is, is the ego ever necessary? I mean, we all have one, but is it ever actually a good thing? I do think that that probably comes up in times where you need to have a little bit of ego to know when you have to take action, right? I think that's probably for me, at least personally, I know when me and John have done a lot of like uh, emotional intelligence stuff and work in the past. And for me, being a little bit more of a kind of passive person and observational person, the ego has to come into play at certain points so that I can make sure I do the right thing at the right time. Now, getting it to fire up when it needs to is the hard part for me. Other people have the other problem, which is it fires up too readily or too quickly, and that can be a difficult thing to balance. Yeah, the ego is always smoldering. It's just a matter of like <laughs> when you keep it from erupting in fire. Yeah. I love that you bring that up, though, that... I when I thought about this and wrote the outline, I didn't think about it from the, the, the introvert perspective to where sometimes you need an ego to give you a push. It'd be like, Hey, Tanner, you are good enough. You are kind of the bomb. Get out there and go do it. 
Well, I don't know about the you're bomb, good but I'm, you're I'm smart enough. <laughs> and gosh darn it, people, people like, like you. Yeah. But but that's but that's real. Like like there's literally been times where, especially in my job where I travel and I show up to a new place, like sometimes you get a little nervous walking into a, a new a new shop and trying to figure out who you are and what you do. And so there's legitimately been times where I sit in the parking lot and ahead of time it's like you know the medicine, you know how to do this, yeah. you're a good doctor, and it's it's not because I'm so overconfident in myself it's because i want to make sure that my ego is just enough there that i can walk into a new place and interact with people and be my normal self which is i think hopefully a little bit more balanced and, and present and ready to do what it needs to do and i wonder if in those situations uh, when you think about it that sometimes our ego has to come out because we've been we've been given a situation where somebody has played ego like they're playing their ego they're playing their you know this is who i am who are you it has not, you don't need to like give them the bear, but you might need to give them a little bit to kind of, I don't know, kind of mark your territory. I feel like now we're talking about. Wow. Now, now we're, we're going deep, deep into an ego train. Yeah. Yeah. Some of what I'd be interested to parse out as we talk about this is, can we figure out a difference or is there a difference between confidence and ego? Right. Cause really in a lot of ways, what we're talking about is confidence or lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. Right. And certainly to perform as an emergency medicine physician, to perform as a physician in general, mm -hmm. or to be a high performer in whatever your field is beyond medicine, you have to have confidence in your abilities. We would be paralyzed if we weren't confident in what we can and cannot do. And it, and it gets into the, you have to be competently competent, right? I mean, I, I feel very comfortable most of the time with what I am capable of. I also feel pretty comfortable most of the time with what I am not capable of and where my limits stop or where my limits in this, I feel very comfortable with what my limitations are and when I need to call for help, whether that's another EM provider or whether that's getting consultants and, and you know, uh, rallying the troops around a situation. But some people don't necessarily have that same confidence in me. So d is ego actually that intersection of where my confidence exceeds somebody's confidence in me and how that situation is managed potentially, you know, because are you snarky? Are you arrogant? Are you ego is not necessarily any one of those things specifically. It is a culmination of a lot of different things and some are good and some are bad. Yeah. And, and I like the, the, the clarifying on that because I had to really chew on this a little bit to, <clears throat> to think about it. I mean, the, the things we're talking about, and, you know, it is a blurry line between ego and confidence. And so, you know, it kind of goes back to that question of does the ego really exist? And I think what I kind of settled on was the, the ego is really like a construct in your own head or someone else's evaluation of that construct of you of like, it's your evaluation of your self-worth, of your, of your own kind of importance. And so I do think that that makes a difference, right? Some people, uh, we, we would say they're, they're, they have a very low ego or they, they have very low self-esteem. I think those are almost inter interchangeable kind of in some way. But what I, what I did think about as far as the ego goes, uh, because, you know, and that's why I always appreciate like Tanner's point of view, because we, we are different in the introversion, extroversion uh, area. And it's hard sometimes to project yourself into what would an introvert think and how could they use, you know, how would ego be a motivator there? I also think if you use, if ego is being used properly for the more extroverted 
person, I can kind of speak of this. When you're using, when you're in the right ego space, it's almost like ego helps you define yourself better. So if your hackles get raised because of something somebody says or they do or something that's going on with them, it's generally an indication of something that's important to you because it's in fact, you know, affected your ability to do something or your perception of what you're able to do. And so I think what happens though is it's so easy to let that get out of control, right? And as opposed to the things that you really care about. But, but when I was thinking about, you know, when has my ego kind of really reared itself and gotten, gotten past where I would want it to, if I could, you know, go back in time and change it, that's generally the thing, right? It's generally, you know, do it, you care about this, but is this something you deeply care about? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in those cases, you're right. That's the ego. You, you can recognize that something's happening that isn't right. Um, and maybe you need to speak on it. I, th- I kind of picture the ego almost like, you know, the, the whole concept. It's like a little tiny Disney character on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, devil or angel, but in this sense, it's ego. And it's just, you know, a smaller version of yourself that's got its, ch- you know, chest pupped pumped out that little version of yourself that's got its chest puffed out and um and it grows as you feed the ego and then it goes away as you get less you know confident or or nervous about something Mm -hmm. and trying to find that balance of the perfect size so it doesn't weigh you down too much on one shoulder or the other um and that's kind of what i'm envisioning as we're talking about this and it is funny how you mentioned like the time where you're where it really got you know your hackles up and you're using that ego and I like I can picture times where it's like, ooh, yeah, that was when I overstepped my bounds and I know what that felt like. And it's it's really interesting to kind of reflect on that in the concept of ego, because back then it was when I was thinking about it, it was just, you know, I was in the right. I was you know, this person was being wrong. And in reality, it was probably me overstepping with that little character on my shoulder, getting a little too big and a little too aggressive. So far, what we've really talked about is ego in the sense of comparison to others and ourselves. And there's really a whole separate ego. And so when I think of ego, it is in part related to that. But I really think of like Freud's ego. And so you have the id, the ego, and the superego. And the ego in that situation falls back and, and is very related to what we were just talking about. But and in part, what you just said, Tanner, is ego is actually according to Freud, and this is the definition that I latch onto, it is the moderator between the instinctive and primitive things that we are born with and the learned behaviors. So the id is something that is natural to everybody. It is the immediate gratification, it's instinctive, it's primitive, and you are born with that. And the superego is learned behaviors, the sense of right and wrong. Um, what is moral, what is not moral, what is the right thing to do, what isn't the right thing to do. And the ego is what really moderates those two things. And the difficulty with all of this is, of course, what is learned and what isn't learned. Because you can only moderate so much, and what learned behavior is very different for you, for me, for Andy, for, you know, for everybody on this podcast, let alone everyone listening, right? We all have a different set of learned morals, learned beliefs, a different set of what is right and wrong. And while I think the four of us have very similar learned beliefs, that's not ubiquitous across society and certainly not ubiquitous across medicine. And so now the ego becomes that balance between it all. But when you're 
dealing with somebody else who has a different super ego, that mm-hmm. balance is going to be very different. And now it gets very complicated. So, yeah, I mean, the, the ego thing is really interesting in, in the psychology realm. Um, you know, <clears throat> I like to try and keep it as simple as I can. And in, in my head, the ego is kind of the what makes you you, right? It's, it is that learned versus the, um, you know, innate knowledge. And it's, it's kind of like the stories that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think we find that a lot of times, like when I find um, that I've probably, you know, like gone way over where I should have gone, <laughs> kind of what Tanner was talking about when you, you look back and you're like, yeah, I really kind of lost control on that one. If you, if you reflect on the situation, you were probably telling yourself a story or multiple stories about things that you didn't actually know. Mm-hmm. And we talk about so much in medical education about why it's important. Um, and, and even in the clinical realm, like why, you know, why do patients get upset when they're waiting for three hours? Because they're writing their own story. Yeah, because their ego's there being like, oh, that doctor, he's, yeah. out, he's out doing this and that, and yeah. he's charging me money for this, and he's going to come up here in a fancy car. Uh, no, 100%. It's, when I think of ego, I think of a situation happens, I don't have all the information in that boy between that and a boiling point somebody's telling me a story and it's my ego yep you know it's the ego being like oh this person did you this person did you wrong did you did you see the way they looked at you like when none of those things were probably actually happening it, it but is my a, ego creates this story that unfortunately usually isn't a good one it is a very common thing in our household where me and my wife are talking and when one of us is upset about something the other one typically will look at the other and say don't write a narrative that you don't know about. Don't create a story without knowing the actual yeah. information. Yeah. And it's funny how often that gets used because we do it all the time. Yeah. It's so easy to fill in those gaps and you're 100% right. It's that our egos fill those gaps with what we think we want or need or whatever we feel is best yeah. to fit that story. But the reality is we don't know. Yeah, yeah. and we it, it happens to us literally every day while practicing clinical medicine yeah patient tells you kind of a part of a story and then you start to fill in the story around it and unless you actually talk to the patient and fill in the details uh, you know like did this really happen like what you know i mean at least once every two shifts probably once a shift i get the i need a medication refill because i don't have my medicines anymore and as soon as i said that to you I bet you were immediately thinking about the 57,000 reasons you've heard about why they don't have medicine from yeah. it fell out of sync. My insurance ran out. I didn't get it. I don't have a PCP. But it's right. You're already writing a story about a theoretical patient that doesn't even exist. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. But we're so our, our brains are designed to make sense of the universe. And that's yeah. why cool things like optical illusions work. It, we're trying to make sense of things that that don't conform to reality but our neurology tells us that it is the way that it is and we do the same thing every day we're trying to to process it and just for a fun long-term thing right that's eventually what manifests when people um, have the medical condition where they confabulate Mm -hmm. you know they create stories to try and make things seem reasonable uh, just because they they that's the kind of the last bastion of the brain that's holding on to, to keep things going. And it's really a manifestation of the ego. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause as you were saying that I, rem- I, we had a long time ago episode with Travis Solmer where he talked about how he had to train his brain 
that when somebody checks in at three o'clock in the morning for a cough, I have to turn that part of my brain off that makes a story about how, well, this is a lazy person. This is a misutilizer of healthcare. What are they doing here? This, because really it's just don't, don't create a story. Just go ask a question and go get clarification yep. to turn, to turn that part of your brain off that will make you angry about that patient coming to the hospital at three o'clock in the morning when really it's, they work two jobs. They just got off. They have to be back at work at nine o'clock in the morning. They don't see a PCP. You're really their only option. But you, if you didn't ask those questions, your ego will write this great story to make it sound justification for why you're angry or not, not having a pleasant interaction. So my ego hauled me nicely down a road of almost making a really bad clinical decision. Yeah. Um, patient came in, my forearm really hurts duck. Oh, okay. Reasonable sounding person, reasonable sounding story. What happened was playing softball with, you know, my work group and, I hit a foul and the and the ball came back and hit my arm. Okay, well, you know, how long has it been hurting? About a week. Oh, okay. Well, you know, probably not much of it. you still using it? Yeah, it just hurts really bad. Okay, um, have you done anything for it? Yeah, I've tried Motrin and stuff. It hasn't really helped. Okay, probably ought to start with an x-ray. Maybe it shows something. Maybe it won't. We'll see. So I go in to order the x-ray, and the previous x-ray results from like two days before pop up along with a CT scan and then I look and this guy's been at another ER and had an x-ray a CT has been prescribed Percocet right so immediately yeah I tell myself the start story filling in the blanks yeah and I and I go back in the room with the ego on on full display <laughs> run, I, run. i'm laughing as you're telling this because i, I, I can I, picture this exactly yeah. well i can picture this and I, i'm like oh, yeah. man he's telling insert some different details and this right. is andy coming in with a piece of paper right right <laughs> ripe and ready it john walks in hey man yeah and that's exactly how it started hey man so because i know when deal. he says that to me i i have done wrong <laughs> by casey yeah so it's i've done wrong it's like uh Let's be frank. Um, so, yeah. So I go in and I'm like, hey, man. So I just looked at your, your medical record. And why didn't you mention anything about the x-ray, the, you know, the whatever, the Percocet, yeah. you know, already wrote this great story just waiting to kind of close this guy down. And he said, well, I mean, you're my doctor. I assumed you'd already looked at my medical record and decided what you needed to do. And I was like, oh, well, what about the Percocet? You didn't say anything about taking it. He goes, well, I didn't, I didn't take it because I have a history of addiction in my family and I was really trying to get by with Motrin. And the other doc told me that I should have the prescription just in case. And he's the doctor too. And so I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to leave the room now. <laughs> Can, can we rewind yeah, about two minutes? Yeah. And I'm just going to walk the, back in. The funny in. thing was he wasn't, again, wrote a story in my head like, he's going to hate me. He's like, clearly. But he didn't. He he just thought I was asking clarifying questions. And um, I reexamined the guy and decided to test him for apartment syndrome. And he had it. Yeah. And uh, would have been an easy miss. Yeah, your ego wanted to kick him out of the department. My, my ego was, was yeah. real good and ready. Yeah. to just show him one of the clearly marked overhead exits. Yeah. So um, watch that ego. Yeah, watch the ego. So John, you, you started bringing this back to how we can control our ego in the clinical setting. And, you know, we joke about checking your ego at the door. You know, it was one of those jokes that we 
cliches we say a lot in yeah. medicine or in and do we in mean general. like check it like here it is it's with me good yeah, okay yeah, i'm going it. in or is it like oh check it there yeah, or or are we checking it in right. so it can be held in and exactly. captive until we're done so let's talk just a little bit more about how we apply this to our practice in medicine and bring this back to maybe some tools and tricks that we can do to improve how we carry ourselves in the department when interacting with others to improve our interactions I think the first step is you got to be able to recognize it and learning how to identify when your ego is raised above its normal level, when it's not high enough, just doing those internal reflections on your current status of how you feel, where you're at in place and time in space. And once you are able to recognize those moments, then you can start to work on building or changing or tweaking from there. And when you think about recognizing those moments, uh, understand that people will approach you with different phrases to describe that. So John's is, Hey man. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, oh, oh, okay. Um, but like, I, I think of the cinnamon of uh, crispy. I know she likes to use that word. I'm crispy today. And maybe that's your ego being like, Hey, I'm kind of in a bad mood and like, leave me alone. But it's, you have to figure out your own modifiers and then how your ego interacts with your team that you regularly interact with to be like, all right, well, I see that they have some barrier. They have some defenses up. I must be putting something off that makes them do that. Yeah. And I think that's the the key is look at those days where you are at your extremes. So if yeah. you are having a rough day or you have a day where just everyone is like, you just feel like everyone's on edge, do the internal reflection first to make sure that, Hey, am I the one that is starting off the conversation with, Hey man, or whatever it is that it ends up being that trigger for you. Um, and seeing if that's the, the, the start of your ego showing its head. You know, it's so funny. We, we just said, Hey man, several times and the, there's such a subtlety with John in particular. Oh yeah. So if he starts off a conversation with, Hey Drew man, things are going great. Yeah. But if he starts the conversation off with, Hey man, <laughs> it's not that yeah. it's necessarily bad, but it's a very targeted, like there is right. a specific, like we have a topic yeah. we are going to discuss. And, and this I, isn't picking on John. It's, oh, just, no, it's no, very no. easy to say, Hey man, in the context yeah. of how we're explaining what we're trying to get across. So yeah. Uh, no, you're exactly right. Well, that's actually, it's just, uh, it's, it's just, a tell. It, well, it's a tell, but it's also scripting that I did when I did some emotional intelligence training. Yeah. It, it's a phrase that's very easy for me to use to what it actually is signaling is I want you to pay attention to what's coming up. And interestingly enough, I found, uh, Hey man is a really good way to get like people like, Oh yeah. What? it's it's a really good way unless that person actually isn't a man um in which case you know i modify it um appropriately uh yeah it it's also it kind of reminds me of this sounds strange but what our dog trainer back in the day told us about how so the whole point with our dog trainers he said when you want your dog to listen, you don't want to have to change your tone. You want it to be the same cadence, the same everything. So no matter what, they're going to listen to you in any form or fashion. So instead of using the word no, which can come across very rough, you can yell it, you can scream it. He said, use the word nope. It's really hard to yell the word nope angrily in a fact. Just it's not a it's not a very harsh version. It's it's cutesy. Yeah. And so our dog knows that nope is it, whenever we say it, that's what it's supposed to mean. And it's the same concept with, Hey man, it's a script that you've created so that you don't come up and say, Hey, 
insert explicative. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also really hard to make Hey Man sound really mean. Like, hey, man. Like, it, yeah. We it, c- it sounds comical when you do it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, we can we could hear the intonation that you're going for, and uh, and other people can pick up on it. But it's not egregious. It's not like you know kicking you in the face with something else that would yeah. instantly put up someone else's defenses right away. Right. This is the the thing too that I think is relevant right now because a lot of the emergency medicine community is talking about um, travelers mm-hmm. and people that aren't from you know. And you were even talking about being in a different place. And that's one of the things that becomes a little bit more challenging with a uh, team that you don't know. Yeah, it's one of the things you have to be yeah. really, yeah, really worried about. Um, because when you know your team, you often learn their tells and their triggers. You know that certain docs don't do as well with the quote-unquote drug seeker population. You you know that some docs really hate certain things or do certain things. and. And I have my fair share of triggers, as Drew and everybody else knows. The, the, the thing is, you can avoid triggers uh, with those people. So sometimes you just have to look for the way... <coughs> sometimes you just have to look for the way that somebody is going to... Or the way somebody reacts in the moment and pay attention. When you're working with a new team or a newly formed team, whether it's because people are new there or just new members of the team... You have to put in a little extra effort to see what raises their hackles and figure out what that is, particularly if you're going to be working with them long term, because it can really pay off. People, in some ways, I found that more people, actually most people, appreciate it when you notice and and authentically care that they that something was said or done that that looked like it injured them in some way, whether it was real or not or intentional or not. And it can really help you form a good working relationship with that person, just to ask. I love that thought, and it, I'm going to steal a little bit from you in the concept of one of the phrases you love to say is restoring balance. Mm-hmm. Balance has been restored to the universe. Or something I'm, I get excited to talk about is flow state, and they're very similar concepts, just different terms. And so to be fair, when I think of ego, when things are going well, I have, ba- I have a balanced ego, mm-hmm. right? My ego is able to balance the primitive, instinctive id with the super ego of learned behaviors in a cohesiveness in which I can function well in multiple environments and receive things. When balance is not restored to the universe, it's when one or the other is out of whack. And sometimes it's the primitive and sometimes it's the learned and Sometimes it's hard to tease out which is which because they really blur lines sometimes. But that's really, when we say ego, I don't think of ego as a bad thing. I think of when I have a good ego, when I walk into a situation, whether it's work or it's life, and I am in my flow state, my ego is properly proportioned and it's balanced. And it's able to really take care of the two sides, whether it's the devil and the angel, whether it's the id and the superego, whatever you want it to be. So I can approach the situation with clarity and grace. It's when there's a disbalance, a, a alternate universe powers pulling at me that, that the ego gets out of whack. And then sometimes I am a little out of control and you have to figure out how to rein it back in. Yeah. All 
All right. Well, since I just shut everyone else down and no one else has anything to say, I, I think this has been a great introduction to the idea of the ego, how it impacts us both in life in general, but also specifically with our medical care. We can easily extrapolate on how this affects our relationships with consultants, other providers, other staff in the department, let alone our personal life, our significant others, our friends, and just people we run into on the street. So think a little bit about what your ego is, the balance that you need to have grace in life. And uh, if you want to hear more about what we talk about EM Over Easy, check out emovereasy.com, our blog site. Be sure to check out our Twitter feed, a little bit on Instagram, occasionally on FacePlace, otherwise known as Facebook. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Somebody else has got the best. Drew's here and you guys are singing and I, I'm, 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 I'